Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Brandon Williams starts a brand new series today entitled, What I'm Looking For. In today's society, we are all looking for something. This week, Brandon looks at the word contentment and how God has given us a reason to be content in every and all circumstances. Good morning. And this is awesome. I'm excited. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, back here this morning. Hey, did I miss you guys last Sunday? But I know Joey Fennell did an awesome job. Uh, called Joey on Friday. I was like, Joey, I need you. And he said, I got it. So he stepped in and did an awesome job. But man, I'm excited. I'm especially excited about this next series we're doing, this What I'm Looking For. And the main reason I'm excited about it, and I've been so excited about preaching this message all week, um, the main reason that I'm excited about it is because these are things that I have applied to my life in the last few weeks. And it's it's impacted me so much. And so I want to share these things with you. I've been really excited about this message and, uh, you know, put it on Facebook, man, I'm so pumped. I can't wait. And then some of you are like, what are you so pumped about? Well, it's it's not, I don't know if this will be the greatest message that, that I've ever preached or, you know, the best or the worst or whatever. But I do believe this, that the things we're going to talk about today will make an impact if we apply them. If we can grab hold of what we're talking about, I believe that it can bring um, some contentment to your life, okay? This is the first thing we're looking at. We're going to be looking at contentment, comfort, and courage. Um, how many of you could use a little bit of contentment in your life? Yeah, we, could, we all could. There's times when, when things seem up and down, and, and we, could, we just need to find that steady balance of how we live in Christ and how we, we can function day-to-day living in the abundant life that Christ died so that we could have. And so we're going to be, be looking at that. I want to remind you, January 30th, Connection Junction, small group time. If you're a Connect Group leader, you're in a Connect Group, or you want to be in a Connect Group, or just want to find out about a Connect Group, sign up in the back, come to that. It's going to be a good time of fellowship. We're going to cook some um, uh, filet mignon hot dogs. Um, they're absolutely incredible. Uh, so, so we'll have the good, the good hot dogs for you, and you can come eat those and just have a great time of fellowship and, and learn more about Connect Groups and hopefully uh, become a part of one. So come and be a part of that. we got the third service again today. Pray for me. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I feel like you guys, if you come at 9 o'clock, I feel like you hear the best message of the day, um, and it kind of progressively seems to get worse from 9 to 10.45, so I'm thinking that by 12.45, it's just going to be like, Jesus loves you, quit sinning, go home, take a nap, let's just go. And, and you know, we'll be out by 1.15, and so you may want to come to that service, but... Um, <laughs> But be praying for us, because we do believe it's a great opportunity to be able to reach people who are far from God. Uh, you know, there's no excuse. It's not that I can't get up that early with that service. So we're, we're really praying that God would use it in awesome ways. If you have your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be in Philippians for the next three weeks, looking at these three, three uh, things of comfort, or contentment, comfort, and courage. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to be, begin reading in verse 4. We're going to jump in and see what the Lord would share with us this morning. Philippians 4, verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, and, and really, if, if that were translated, I think literally it would be also, brothers. It's not a different thought. It's a continuation of what we've already been reading. But it says, finally, brothers, or also, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that is here with us right now. I pray, God, that you would move among us in a mighty and awesome way. I pray, Father, that that you would speak the words you, you want us to hear, God, that we need to hear, Father that we would begin to put our eyes on you and take them off of our, our temporary circumstances, God. 
and that we would begin to rejoice greatly in who you are and what you've done in our lives. Just moved by the power of your Spirit that we can walk out of these doors knowing that there's a God in heaven that loves us more than we could possibly imagine. God, thank you. Thank you for that realization that that revelation will become more clear to us today than ever before. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I imagine, and, and we won't take a poll on this, but I imagine that most people in here could relate with the, this situation of going through life and one day you're really, really up and you're really, really joyful and you're really, really happy and then the next day it's just like somebody let all the wind out of your sails, right? Where you just can't hardly go and, and, and for a lot of us it may be day after day, it may be week after week that these things are changing and we're up and down and we're all over the place. For some maybe it's month to month, maybe you go through seasons of life where all of a sudden you just feel down in the dumps, you just feel like, man, I don't know what to do, I don't know, I don't know why I feel this way, but I'm just in a funk. Anybody ever said those words where I don't know what it is, I, I'm just in a funk, man, I don't know what's going on. And we just get in this place and, and my wife will even come up to me sometimes and she'll go, are you in a funk? You know, we've been married 11 years, so she kind of begins to recognize, are you in a funk? What's wrong with you? In other words, that, that means that I've been a real tale to her, and, and she's saying, you know, what, what's the deal? And, and so we all can relate to that. And I don't know, I know that we have some folks in here who aren't married yet, some who are married without children, but there are a lot of you in here who do have children. And, you know, when you go four years like we did between ch- children, you forget a lot of things. There's a lot of things you don't remember about childbirth, about the pregnancy process, and all of those things. One of the things that I forgot about was how the hormones affect moods. If you've had children or your wife has had children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's just, it's just natural. It's just what happens. And I remember when Susan was pregnant with Reed, we could be sitting there and everything is fine. And all of a sudden I look over and she's like, <laughs> and I'm like, what happened? What, what happened? And I don't, I mean, maybe you're more sensitive than I am and you're better at this than me. I'm not good with that because I look over and I see her and she's just, <laughs> and she's crying and I'm like, what's wrong with you? I mean, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I, it's not, I'm just not, I'm like, it's not, well, honey, honey, I'm like, what's it, what happened? And, and then it was so crazy because it just happened so fast. I mean, she could be like, <laughs> crying. And then it's like, what are you doing? Let's go get some ice cream. I mean, it's just crazy. You know, I mean, how fast things could change and it was the hormones working. But the thing that I've seen is so for, for so many of us, it happens where our lives are that way. Where man, it's just like everything hinges on a phone call that we get. Everything hinges on the news we got at work. Everything hinges on how our, our children behave. Everything hinges on, on the circumstances of life. And maybe I'm, I don't think I'm the only one that, that deals with that. I think, I really believe that we all deal with this issue of where everything seems to hinge on the things that go on around us. But here's the awesome thing I see in Scripture is when I look at the life of Paul and I look at, at his life, he wrote this book, Philippians, from a jail cell. He wrote this book of Philippians sitting in a jail cell wondering, are they coming to cut my head off? And yet Paul says this, I have found the secret to contentment. That's pretty amazing, is it not? That you can be in a jail cell wondering, are they about to come chop my head off? Am I about to die? And he can sit there and say, I found the secret of contentment. I know what it is to be content whether I have a lot or whether I have a little. How many of you would like to be able to say, I have found the secret of contentment so it doesn't matter what my boss says. It doesn't matter what my clients say. doesn't matter what, how my children behave. It doesn't matter about any of that. I found something on the inside of me that I'm able to go to and be content in life that I'm able to go to and if I were to give you a definition of contentment I would go back to an old um, gospel song that we sing and, and it would be that it is well with my soul that it is well with my soul it's not because everything around me is perfect Paul was in circumstances that were not perfect it is because man it's well with my soul I'm okay because because there's something bigger on the inside of me than what's going on around me. And Paul had discovered this. And what I want to talk to you about today is how do we get to that place? 
How do we get to that place? What is the secret to contentment? How do we live this life where even when things aren't perfect, it's well with my soul that I can find peace, that I'm not anxious, that I can tell other people, you know why you see contentment in me, even in the midst of bad circumstances? It's because greater is he who lives on the inside of me than he who is in the world. And so that even when I am wasting away and perishing on the outside, I can say it is well with my soul and I have contentment on the inside of me that ought to get you excited a little bit you know that ought that ought to make you make you at least a little bit excited about what's this idiot going to tell me today what's he going to talk about today because if we can tap into that oh my gosh if we could tap into that how would it revolutionize our lives and so we're going to begin to look at that i want to tell you Really, four things today that I believe will help you find this. And, and there's some different points that we're going to put up on the screen that go along with these. But four main points. And the first one is this. And I think we've got to realize this, that whatever we go through, that this is the truth. First one is that lack of contentment comes when eternal hope is suppressed by temporary circumstances. Lack of contentment comes when eternal hope is suppressed by t- temporary circumstances. See, when we come to Christ, our eternity is secure. When we come to Christ, we know the outcome of the story. When we come to Christ, we know that no matter what, we're going to be all right. And so we have this eternal hope that comes up on the inside of us, that no matter what tomorrow brings, I'm okay. No matter what happens tomorrow, I'm okay. I remember when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer several years ago, and, and we were like, you know, we're, we're going to pray. We're going to be okay. She's like, I know I'm going to be okay. And, and she's like, no matter what happens, I know I'm going to be okay because I have Christ. And she found strength in that. And the thing is that we've got to realize that we have eternal hope in Christ. That, that we, even in the midst of, of bad circumstances, and we've got to realize that they're temporary. There is nothing you're going through right now that is not temporary. But you don't know. I mean, this is, this is, this is terminal. No, it's not. Not if you're in Christ. Not if you're in Christ. It's not terminal. Not if you, because your eternity is secure. Eternity is without beginning and without end. If you are in Christ, you've already crossed over into eternity. Every circumstance that you're going through right now is temporary. And if we can grab hold of that, that I know right now things aren't right. I know right now things aren't the way I would have them to be. My, my external circumstances aren't exactly right. I know that. I realize that. But I know it's temporary because my eternity is secure in Christ. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because God's already taken care of that. I don't have to worry about tomorrow because there is a loving God who is crazy about me, who holds me in the palm of his hand, who's already seen the number of my days and has taken care of that through Christ. Man, that will revolutionize your life. You don't have to weigh awake at night wondering, am I going to stumble tomorrow? Am I going to fall? What phone call is going to come? Man, you can have peace. You can have contentment knowing that no matter what tomorrow brings, my God is in control. And we can live out of this place where even in the midst of going through all the, the crap of life, man, we can have peace. We can have joy we can be anxious for nothing and it's not something that we can cultivate on our own the bible says it's beyond understanding it's beyond our explanation in other words it's supernatural it's something that's in us and i had to preach my granddaddy's funeral last sunday i told my my family i said listen as far as preaching um family funerals i'm not doing that don't ask me to do it we're sitting in hospice and my grandmother looks at me and she says are you going to be able to do something for Pops' funeral. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how do you tell your grandmother right after your grandfather's passed away, no, I'm not doing that, Grandma, I'm sorry. And so I had to do this, and I'm telling you, this is what I lived out last week. I've been living this out this week, is that whenever the pain of losing my, my grandfather comes into my heart, when I'm standing up there, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold this thing together or not, and I'm standing there, you know what I did? I went back into my, my heart, and I looked deep within myself, and I said, Jesus is still on the throne. I'm going to get through this, and no matter how much pain is in my heart, God is going to bring me through. 
And I was able to stand up and, and man, I got choked up. I cried. I mean, I, it was, it was probably everybody else is going, why did they let him do this? But, but you know what? I came through the other side. And I found contentment in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of loss. And I knew that my grandfather was in Christ. And that Paul even said this. He said, listen, if, if, you're, if you die and you're in Christ, he said, to die is gain. He said, listen, I would rather be with Christ, but for your sake, I'm going to stay here for now. I would tell you this today, that there is many, much, there are, there, there, there are things that are worse than death. There are circumstances, I, I believe this, the worst thing that you could possibly go through is life without God. That, that's worse than death. That, that's worse, because when God has you, you've given your life to Christ, you've given your life to God, you are held in the hands of eternity. You are held secure in eternity. There is nothing that you're going through. And I say this not to belittle what you're going through. I say this to say, take heart. Be of good courage. You're going to come through. You're going to make it. You can find contentment even right where you are right now. The God of the universe can give you supernatural peace to bring you through and to help you in your time of need. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Listen, there are times we will go through. I'm about to preach the whole message right now. I'm just getting all ahead of myself. But there are times you're going to go through stuff, but God didn't call you just to stay in the stuff. He called you to keep walking. It's like being lost in the woods. You don't just stop and sit. You keep walking. And eventually you pop out on a road somewhere. You pop out to somewhere and you go, oh, I know where I am. You're riding around and all you men know you've been lost before and you wouldn't ask for directions. But finally you drove long enough and you got to a place where you were able to look at it and go okay I know where I am now and even though you wasted two hours of your life you finally got back to where you wanted to be and your wife was over there fuming and she was mad because she's like let's just ask there's another gas station let's ask there's another and you just kept on driving but in life we don't sit in the stuff we don't sit in the junk we keep moving because we have a God who's in us who loves us who who's who's constantly with us and who compels us to move forward Don't sit where you are. So realize today that your circumstances are temporary because if you're in Christ, you crossed into eternity. And lift up your eyes and look to the one who died for you, who brought you into the presence of a loving father and put your eyes on him. Get your eyes off of what's temporary and begin to trust in the one who is eternal. I want to read to you real quick 2 Corinthians 4. Read 13 through 18 it says it is written i believe therefore i have spoken this is paul speaking to the corinthians with that same spirit of faith we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the lord jesus from the dead will also raise us with jesus and present us with you in his presence all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving listen may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of god therefore we do not lose heart Therefore, it goes back up to the fact that we too will be raised with Christ, raised from the dead. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Listen to this. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Why do we fix our eyes so much on what is temporary when we have access to that which is eternal? Why do we get so concerned with the things that are going on around us that we lose sight of the one who died for us so that we could cross over into that eternity? I mean, listen, it is absolutely incredible that Paul is sitting in a jail cell and he says, listen, our light and momentary afflictions, they're winning for us a greater glory. Is that not crazy? That a man sitting there thinking, they're about to come get me, cut my head off, I'm gonna, my body is going to die. And he says, these are light and momentary afflictions. But he knew, he knew the secret was in Christ. He knew that if I'll keep my eyes on him, then, then I'm going to make it. 
that I'm going to... Listen, he was tapped into the same God who raised Jesus from the dead. If, if death and sin and all of that stuff which your sin was placed on Christ, if death and sin couldn't hold Jesus in the grave, how do you think it's going to hold you in the grave? He was raised up. God's power entered him so that you and I could be made right, so that you and I would know that we, like Christ, would be resurrected one day and that we could, would stand before God, with God, so that everything we're facing today is temporary. Everything we're going through is temporary. And we have the possibility, the op- opportunity to be with Christ even now. The second thing I want to tell you is this. We need to recognize there will always be times of adversity because you have an adversary. I don't know about you, but when I gave my life to Christ, I was like, I was pretty young, you know, and I was like, well, everything going to be perfect now. Anybody ever thought that when you, when you kind of came to Christ, you're like, okay, all right, now I won't have any problems. I mean, I'm a child of God. He'll take care of everything for me. Did that work out well? No. I mean, it seemed like it got worse. Things were happening. I mean, and here's the deal. We need to realize that we're going to have times of adversity because we have an adversary. I've heard people preach about how, you know, just stand firm in the word and, you know, nothing ever will come against you. The only problem with that is when something does come against you, you go into a crisis of faith because you're wondering, what did I do wrong? What happened in my life? Why, where did I screw up so that now God's punishing me because I was told nothing was ever going to happen? I'm spitting a lot this morning. Because I was told that nothing's ever going to happen that, that's going to cause adversity in my life. The truth is you have an adversary. You have an enemy. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. You have one that wants to come against your life and kill, steal, and destroy. But that doesn't mean that we have to just sit back and take the adversity. It means, that, as Paul said, that we can have contentment even in the midst of adversity. The thing I see so many times with Christians, though, is that we come off of a mountaintop. We come off of this place where life is good and things are going well. And we come down into this valley because some adversity has come into our life. And rather than just keeping on going... And coming out on the other side and and, and climbing back up, lifting up our eyes to see that our help comes from Christ and continuing to move forward. We like to do this. We cross the valley and then we turn and we just start walking down it. God never intended for us to just get in the valley and go, wow, you know, this really stinks, but I'm just going to keep on plodding through. No, he called you to be an overcomer. He died and sent his spirit back so that you could be more than a conqueror, so that you could live a life that, that rises above the circumstances that are around you. And the only problem with thinking you'll never have any adversity is everybody in the Bible. And I don't know where we got the mindset that we'd never have any adversity when everybody that followed Jesus had adversity. And somehow we've gotten to this thing where we're like, Oh, well, you know, it won't happen to me. I just, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. Yeah, you're blessed and highly favored, and your eternity is secure, but that don't mean that your boss ain't going to yell at you tomorrow. That don't mean your kids aren't going to pitch a fit in Walmart and embarrass you in front of 4,000 people. <laughs> because you know that's coming. And, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to have another day when things aren't perfect. You're going to have another day when things don't go exactly the way you want them to go. But Paul didn't have things perfect. And yet he says, I'm content. I am satisfied in God. He was anchored in something that was bigger than the circumstances around him. That's the opportunity that we have this morning. We are anchored and held and secure in something that is so much bigger than us. I wrote, I want to read this because I wrote this down. The Lord really put this in my heart this morning. I believe this, that we spend our time trying to conform the circumstances of our life to the desires of our heart rather than allowing our God to conform our heart to his desires. We spend our time trying to, trying to conform the circumstances of our life to the desires of our heart rather than allowing God to conform our hearts to his desires. 
And so we, we're, we're caught in this cycle like a, like a hamster, and we're just in this wheel, and we're constantly running, trying to manipulate our life around us. And God's like, listen, why don't you just trust in me? Why don't you put your hope in me? Why don't you begin to pour into, let me pour into you, and, and you just be satisfied with me. Lift up your eyes off of the junk around you and put your eyes on me so that I can begin to lift you up, so that I can begin to give you the desires of my heart. God wants to give you his desires. And in that we find contentment. Listen, when adversity comes, we need to realize, I'm going to give you a few things right here. We need to realize that God is not your adversary. He's your advocate. I want you to read to you John 16, verse 7 says this. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The word counselor is also uh, translated advocate. It's one who comes alongside of you, summoned to you, or called to your side. Verse 33 says this, I have told you these things so that in you, in me, you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We need to realize that God is not our adversary. He's our advocate. See, you can't fight for something that God wants you to have, which I believe God wants us to be content in him. You can't fight for something that God wants you to have if you think you're fighting against God. And we spend our lives so many times where we're in a place where we think we're fighting against God. You can't win that battle. We need to realize that we're fighting with God. God is fighting on our behalf. He sent the advocate. God himself has summoned himself to your side so that you can have contentment in life, so that you can overcome the things of life, so that you can live in a place that when I am consumed with him, I can have peace in my life. It is supernatural. doesn't mean that everything's going to be fine around you and perfect. It means that even in the midst of the junk of life, you can have contentment. Listen to this. In adversity, we need to realize that the eternal God is in the midst of our temporary circumstances. That the eternal God is in the midst of our temporary circumstances. Think about this. I mean, the Bible says that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That proves his love for us. So that if while we were sinners, Jesus came into the world, died for us, stepped into our circumstances, then Certainly now that we've been cleansed by his sacrifice and his blood, you think he just said, okay, now they're, 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 I've made them clean. Now I'm leaving. No, he's in the midst of your circumstances. He's there. He's with you right now. He's in the midst of your circumstances. Take heart because God is with you. Take heart because God is in the midst of all you're going through. Third thing is I want you to remember in times of adversity is that adversity for a Christian cannot kill you, but it can deepen you. Listen, adversity can't kill you. Adversity cannot kill you if you are a Christian. The Bible says you're already dead. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, it says this. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You can't kill something that's already dead. You can't, you can't kill something that, that's already died. Christ You died with Jesus on the cross when you placed your faith in him so that now you have the opportunity for eternity. Now that you have the opportunity right now where you are to cross over into eternity and live above and beyond this world. The Bible says we've already been seated in heavenly places. That's pretty awesome. And yet we look around us and we get so consumed by the things in our life that we take our eyes off of an eternal God. I mean, if you do that, I mean, come on, you get in a place in life where junk's going on in your life and you absolutely forget God. You forget that he's still there in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your marriage, in the midst of your work. And we just begin to focus on the problems. Fourth thing I would tell you to do in the midst of adversity is that it's not a time for panic. It's not a time for depression. It's a time for God's faithfulness to shine. It's not a time to flip out when we start going through difficult times. It's not a time to panic and go, oh my gosh. You know, no matter what you're going through today, God is not sitting in heaven biting his nails. He's not looking at your life going, I got no idea how I'm getting them out of this. I I just wish I knew how this story ended. God's not up there doing that. God is in control. God is sovereign. And it's a time for you to trust in his faithfulness. I believe this with all my heart. If you never go through anything, you can't see how faithful God really is. 
You can't see how, how faithful God really is unless you go through some junk. I love being around people who've been through hell and come back because they're not afraid of anything. They look back and they're like, man, if God brought me through that, he can bring me through anything that I face. If God's brought me through that valley, the next valley, he's going to bring me through. Take heart and look back at your life, at the things he's already brought you through, and allow his faithfulness in your past to bring hope and excitement about your future. But you don't just sit there wondering, is God going to do this? God, God has got your back. Is there ever anybody else that you would rather have your back than God? God is with you. And in times of adversity, don't panic. Let God's faithfulness shine through. The fifth thing I would say is this, that we need to change a perspective. We need to realize that we're not fighting for a win, but we're fighting because we've already won. How many of you like the Atlanta Braves? Anybody like the Braves? How many of you were born before 1991? Okay, I just wanted to check. Some of you, this will be a history lesson. But... But y'all remember, some of y'all went through the 1980s with the Braves, and you, you're in counseling still for, because of that. I mean, it was bad. I mean, they were, they were horrible. I, mean, I, always, I remember the joke. The joke was that if you call and want tickets, they say, like, what time can you get here? You know, um, and we'll start the game whenever you get here. Um, because nobody wanted to go. I mean, they were terrible. But you remember in 1991, our prayers were answered. Were they not? They actually started winning games, and we had an incredible run with the Braves. And I remember, I think I was a freshman or sophomore in high school, and they were, they were winning games, and they got to the end. And you remember they were playing, I believe it was the San Francisco Giants in the playoffs. And do you all remember um, a guy by the name of Sid Bream? Yeah. It's like if you're a diehard Braves fan, you've got his picture in your wallet. Because, and he was on second base. The Braves were down. I think it was a run. And, um, and they had a, one man on, and Francisco Cabrera. Is it scary that I remember these names? I, mean, I know it's kind of scary. But Francisco Cabrera comes up. He just gets a base hit to left field. And Sid Bream, I'm not joking, he looked like a brontosaurus trying to come around third base. He, was, he looked like a piano was on his back. And he's coming around third base trying to get to the plate. And I remember being on my bed, and I'm jumping up and down, my head almost hitting the ceiling fan. And I'm jumping up and down in my bed, you know, just trying to help him run, trying to help him run. I'm like, come on, man, pick him up and put him down. You can't be that slow. I'm like, somebody bought him off. He could not naturally be that slow. And so... He's rounding third, and I'm like, go, man, go, 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 go. And you remember, he slides in, and then they swung around to tag him, and he was safe. And, you know, and, and, and the Braves announcer was like, Braves win, Braves win, Braves win. And I'm in my bed going, Braves win, Braves win, Braves win. I'm all fire. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm jacked. But you know what would have been crazy is if I already knew the outcome. It would have been so much different. I mean, I'd have been sitting in my bed like, oh, dear gosh, I think he gets slower every time I watch this. Wow. You know, I mean, because I knew the outcome. But think about if you approach life that way. Think about if you approach life rather than watching this baseball game live and wondering, is he going to be safe or is he going to be out? What if you approach life knowing that because of my relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the sin that he's covered for me and the price he paid on the cross, I win. What if, what if you approach life where in a way that we should, in which we know the outcome, so that when adversity comes, we look at it and go, I don't know exactly how the, 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 the road's going to wind and turn, but I know the destination. I know where I'm ultimately going to end up, and that is with God. And my sin has been covered, and God has forgiven me, so I know that I'm going to be all right. I know that I'm going to be okay. And I believe that if we could begin in adversity to remember that we have already won. You're not fighting for a victory. I heard someone say this the other day. I thought it was so awesome. You're not fighting for a victory. You're fighting from a victory. The victory of the cross. Take heart in that. I've got to speed up a little bit. The third thing I believe that we've got to get to is to realize that contentment begins when you realize there's peace between you and God. Contentment begins when you realize there's peace between you and God. Listen to verse 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7. For those of us who are in Christ, there is peace between us and God. Listen, verse 6 says this. Do not be anxious about anything. This is in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds 
in Christ Jesus. Now I want to read this to you in, out of the BIV, the Brandon International Version. This is my translation of this. This is what I believe that Paul would tell us. Because Jesus has bridged the gap between you and God with a wooden cross. You can have supernatural peace, contentment, and life even in the midst of the crap of life. Even in the midst, I don't think they'll ever have a translation that says crap, but if I wrote one, that's what it would say. Even in the midst of that, you can have peace because Jesus bridged the gap between you and God with a wooden cross. That he hung upon the cross so that you could be united with God, so that you could cross over into a place where we otherwise had no right to be. That our sin had separated us so far from God And yet Jesus bridged that gap so that you and I could come to a place of being in relationship with God. That we could come to a place of having supernatural peace. That we could come to a place of supernaturally being able to say, it is well with my soul. That even when things are coming against us and afflicting us, we can look to something bigger than our circumstances. And know that because of Jesus, I have peace with God. And he has made me right with him. And now I can find contentment in him. I believe that the secret to contentment is truly contained in this last point. I believe that eternal worship overcomes our temporary perspective. See, I believe that the problem is that we take our eyes off of eternity. Paul tells us, listen, your home is not here on this earth. Your home is in heaven. How many of you find peace and contentment when you look to God, but then pretty soon you begin to look to other things, you begin to look at circumstances that surround you, and all of a sudden you lose that contentment, you lose the peace in your life. It is because we become distracted by so many different things. The other day when we had the ice storm, anybody got pine trees in your yard? Oh my gosh. Man, we got like two months worth of yard work to do. It was so funny. Yesterday we were in the yard and Date was helping me. Our our eight-year-old was helping me pick up limbs. He's like, Daddy, isn't it about time for another Pastor Appreciation Day? (laughs) I was like, I don't know, man, but it'd be awesome, wouldn't it? He's like, yeah, you think they'd come on out here? And so we're picking up limbs. But I remember getting in my car the day that it had iced everything over. And I was sitting there and and I turned the the, uh, defrost on and it was, I mean, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see anything at all. Then I rolled my window down to try to get it off of the the side windows, and it fell in on my lap. I don't know if that happened to anybody else, but I was like, let me do this. You know we're from the south because we don't know how to deal with anything like that. And so I pushed the window. It comes down, falls in my lap. But you know what? I couldn't see anything. I mean, it was my view was blinded. There was a huge world out around me. But as far as I could see, there was nothing but the interior of my truck. There was nothing there. And so many times in life, what happens to us is we lose this eternal perspective. We lose this eternal perspective because we get so blinded. Our circumstances and the things going on around us, they begin to block our vision so that we can't see what's what's out there. We can't see that God is still in control. We can't see that he's still holding us, that he's still got us. And so we begin to lose. We begin to lose our eternal perspective. Listen to Philippians 4.4. I mean, I love this because I believe that this is where Paul really tapped in to to contentment and to finding his way and to knowing that that, that I can be content in every circumstance. He says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The thing that we forget is even in the midst of hell in our lives, we have a reason to rejoice. We forget that even when things are going badly, when things, our circumstances aren't right, even in the midst of hell, we have a reason to rejoice. Take your eyes off of the temporary circumstances and put them on Christ, who is eternal, who is without beginning and without end, and know that He can lift you up. Trust in Him. Know that He has got you. He has your back. If He has got you, why are you worried? If He is for you, who cares who's against you? Trust in Him and allow Him to lift you up. Realize that you have something that is so much bigger than the things going on inside of you. And when you begin to feel that oppression, you begin to feel that depression, you begin to feel that things aren't going well, that things aren't going to be well, you lift up your eyes to heaven where your hope comes from and you begin to rejoice in your salvation. Say, listen, everything else in life is temporary. Everything else in life is fleeting. But God says this, God God says that he never changes. 
We spend so much time fighting for temporary things that we forget the eternal things. Rejoice in your salvation. Your name, if you're in Christ, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice. But I don't, I don't see us doing that. I was at the, the Mill Creek the other day and was walking. And there was this lady out there with, with uh, her earbuds in and her iPod. And I don't know if she knew she was doing this because, you know, sometimes you can be talking louder than, than, when, than you realize. But she's walking through there and she's just like, hallelujah. I mean, she's singing and she's just singing out loud. And I was like, that's what we all ought to be doing. If we really have an understanding that Jesus died for us, that he's forgiven us of our sins, then in the midst of anything, we ought to be looking to him and going, I rejoice in you, Jesus. I rejoice in the fact that this is temporary. This is a tent. I'm sitting there looking at my grandfather's dead body and it never hit me more than in that moment. That I'm like, that was a tent. That thing is done. It's, it, it, it served its purpose. And yet now, we, we need to realize that even now, this is a tent. Rejoice in what's eternal. My voice is not going to make it through three services. <laughs> Rejoice in what's eternal, though, man. I mean, this is serious stuff. We have an eternal destination that is already sealed and delivered. No matter what you're going through, Christ is there. We need to realize that we let our temporary circumstances overwhelm us rather than letting our eternal God consume us. I was in the gym the other day, and this guy was saying, you know, we're all, we're talking to him, and we're just thinking about, just, just talking through, just having a regular conversation. He said, you know, we need to realize we're all addicted to something. And uh, he was like, some it's the gym, some it's drugs, some it's whatever. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, yeah, you know. But here's the thing that dawned on me that I realized. I believe that desire was given to us by God. I believe that God gave us that. The problem is we misdirect it. And we all have an addictive personality to some degree. And if you think about your life, there is something that tends to grab a hold of you and control you. We don't need to be controlled and dictated by what's temporary. We need to be controlled and consumed by what's eternal. And that is God. That's Jesus Christ. And when we'll allow ourselves to be consumed by him, allow our focus to be set on him, that we would truly begin to think about whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, which is God, then we can find contentment in the midst of any circumstances. But as long as we're looking at what's temporary, we're going to struggle with that. I believe this. I believe that eternal blessings become temporary memories. There are things in your life that when it happened, you were like, oh my gosh, that's a miracle. And over time, you've forgotten those things. I was driving up to Anderson, South Carolina the other day. And as I'm driving along, I got to where the snow was still on the ground. And, and, and traffic, because I mean, in the South, like you get a flurry and everybody's like, oh. And everybody's knuckles are white and they're holding on to the steering wheel. And at first I was like, man, look at the snow. It's beautiful. This is awesome. I don't care we're going 35. This is awesome. Roads were clear, and we're just putting along. I'm like, man, look at the snow. This is so incredible. Everything was white. It was perfect. And, and I'm just riding along. You know what? 20 minutes into my ride, you know what I was doing? What are you doing, people? Drive. We're going 35. It's 55 right here. We're on a fourth. Go. And, and I'd forgotten just how beautiful it was. And so many times in life, things that were miracles, uh, things that were testimonies to us, we forget them. But when you begin to really cherish in your heart the things that God's done in your life, it begins to change everything. You, you begin to worship. It creates this eternal worship that never stops because you keep your eyes focused on God. And here's the deal. Every one of us in here has something that God has done in our life that we ought to worship him for. There's no doubt in my mind that God has done something in your life. If nothing else, thank him you have breath in your body today and we can begin to worship him if you're not a christian i would recommend you become one because then you have something to worship about from the rest of for the rest of your life that god has saved your soul from hell that ought to cause some rejoicing here we go here we go speeding up i believe this i believe we think temporary fixes will satisfy our eternal desires you remember esau you remember jacob anybody remember them esau was the older brother jacob younger brother Esau was real rugged, hunting, hunting kind of guy, real hairy guy. Probably looked like he had a sweater when he took his shirt off. And it's a real hairy guy. And so he comes in one day from hunting, and Jacob, he was kind of the girly, kind of, not girly, but, but more mama's boy, so to speak. 
He liked other things. Um, and he comes in one day, and, and Jacob is cooking. He liked to cook. He had his, um, you know, little, his stove there, and he had a little nice little thing of stew going. And um, he was probably whistling in the kitchen. And, um, and uh, anyway, and so <clears throat> I'm going to move on from that. But he's, he's, uh, he's cooking, and Esau comes in. He's been hunting, and he says, man, I'm about to starve to death. And so he comes and he's like, give me some of that stew. And Jacob, who was a manipulator, says, if you'll give me your birthright. And birthright was huge. I mean, it was his rights, his family rights, his spiritual rights, everything. And he said, if you'll give me that stew, man, I'll, I'll give you my birthright. And so he gives him the stew. He eats it. And Jacob stole Esau's birthright. And you know how long that stew lasted? How many of you have ever eaten, like you ate at Thanksgiving, you're like, oh, I'm about to bush, I don't ever want to eat again. And then like two hours later, you're like, let's make a turkey sandwich, you know? <laughs> we all, we, it's, it's temporary. And we look to so many things to satisfy a desire that God has put in us. And temporary fixes never satisfy eternal desires. We've got to get that through our head. Contentment will never be consistent until we realize that temporary fixes never satisfy eternal desires. Lift up your eyes to heaven. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. And contentment can be consistent. Quit chasing the American dream and pursue God. And see how your outlook on life changes. One day you'll have to preach this to me because we tend to forget these things. But today I'm preaching it to you and my encouragement to you is... I believe this, the consistency of your contentment will be based off of the consistency of keeping your eyes on Christ. And that's where we have to find ourselves. I believe this, that many people are selling contentment for temporary fixes that will never fulfill the eternal desire God has put in your heart. I'm going to show you a video. I guess where my story really begins with here at Connections is this past March, um, David and I lost our home to a fire, and um, I was six and a half months pregnant and um, battling drugs and alcohol, and um, about a week and a half after the fire, I ended up going into labor and having David and Tavia about three and a half months early. Um, I was still battling with my addiction um, after the babies were born. Um, they spent two and a half months in Memorial Hospital. Uh, Dave and I were still here in Statesboro, and um, we were lost, and we didn't, we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't have any way to get around. Um, people here within the community of Statesboro had donated money to us without our knowledge and we were able to get a vehicle but we didn't have any gas to get back and forth and um, that's what what introduced us to Don Baldwin um, we had met him one day um, at Habitat for Humanity and he had reached out to us and let us know that he was a member here at Connections Church and offered to help us with a tank of gas and um we accepted the gas so that we could go and pick our son up to bring him home. And uh, all that Don had asked us in exchange was that um, we would remember um, that God had given us this gift of gas and um, to come and visit the church. And that's what we did. And from the day that we came here, we were surrounded by love of the people within this church. Um, everyone here provided for all of our needs with prayers and thoughts and donations and um amazing thing happened um god entered my heart at a time when i didn't feel that i was worthy of any kind of love from anyone um because of my addiction and using before during and after my pregnancy and um got a phone call and from uh, linda carlson and she had um offered to do a baby shower for us. Like I said, we, we lost everything in a fire. We didn't have anything. And um, it just amazed me about God's love with the people here in this church that would reach out to someone who had suffered so dearly from an addiction that hurt so many other people. And um, it was that love and contentment that I found here within these walls 
that allowed me to be able to open up my heart. And when I did, God just got a hold of me and showed me His love and forgiveness. And it was a humbling experience to be so surrounded by people who accepted me and loved me and were able to show me Christ the way that they did. Um, I'll never forget the Sunday that Brandon had preached about me um, being a sinner and that it didn't matter that I had an addiction, that God still loved me. And um, I had a few months clean at that time. And um, it was like Brandon was talking directly to me that day. And I felt my heart just open and all I could do was cry because I felt God's love. And, um, you know, it's Dawn and I have laughed and joked and said that, that was just to take a gas that has never ran out and it's just keep on giving. And, um, and it's been with God's speed that I've been able to find God's love and happiness. Um, the obsession of the alcohol and drugs has lifted. Um, I know that's through God's grace that I've been able to remain sober for almost a year now. And um, this church has just been a wonderful place because of the people that have been in it. And we love, we love everyone here. And all I can say is thank you. Thank you so much for showing us the love. And in the process, I've been able to find so much peace and happiness in my life again. Um, I know now that instead of going into the depths and deep, dark places, I'm going to be able to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. Thank you all. Amen. Christy. <clears throat> Christy was willing to share a testimony. And as, as I saw that, the thing that jumped out at me about her testimony is, one, that's why we do what we do. That's why this church exists, is to see people come into the realization of God's love, to be set free from whatever it is that's holding them down. The second thing that jumped out at me was this, that she received a tank of gas that never ran out. Don't you wish $3 gas? That'd be awesome. But really what it's saying is, listen, I received something that's never going to run dry. This fountain in my heart, it's never going to run dry because it's, it's based in God. It's based in Christ. It's not based in anything that I can do or any circumstance that comes my way. No matter what she faces, she knows I'm going to be able to make it. I'm going to be able to find contentment in my life in the midst of all the circumstances and things that are going on. And in Christ, we have the opportunity to run on a tank of gas that never runs out. We run on something that, that never lets us go. We run on something that never runs dry. And that's the opportunity we have today. And it happens when we take our eyes off of the temporary circumstances. And we put them on our eternal God. When we begin to rejoice and celebrate the fact that my future is secure no matter what. My future is secure. There, it doesn't mean there won't be times of, of tragedy, times of sorrow, times of pain. But it means that whatever you face tomorrow, God is plenty big enough to take care of you. God is plenty big enough to bring you through. My encouragement for you today is before you walk out of these doors, make up your mind and settle in your heart that I will fix my eyes upon Jesus. I will focus my heart upon Christ. I will think about those things that are so good and lovely, which is Christ. Let's pray.